Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on Chargers Weekly. The NFL Scouting Combine is just two weeks away. So in today's episode, we're going to take an in-depth look at some of the local draft prospects. Ben Bolch of the LA Times is going to join me later to break down the six Bruins that are headed to Indy. But first, Ryan Abraham of USCfootball.com gives us the Trojan side of things. And I asked both guys a question that seems to be on everybody's mind here in Los Angeles. Rosen or Darnold? All right, Ryan Abraham joins me on Chargers Weekly. He's the owner and publisher of USCfootball.com, an authority on all things Trojan football. Ryan, we're about to dive into some of these SC prospects. But first, National Signing Day last week. It looks like the program had a pretty good day. Yeah, Chris, thanks for having me on. Um, USC ended up with the uh, number four class, according to 24-7 Sports, uh, in the country and the top overall class in the Pac-12. So it wasn't a a big class. They just brought in 18 players. Usually you can bring around 25, but um, it was a top-end, I guess, top-heavy class for Clay Helton. So he's showed he can really finish strong and bring in some four- and five-star guys that eventually you'll talk about when they uh, make it to the league in a few years. Yeah, no doubt about that. Wait, so Ryan, it didn't start... They didn't start that way, right? They weren't the number four class going into it. They had to kind of close some things that day. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were like started off at number twelve, I believe, in the rankings, and then they kind of moved up. Now, it you know USC didn't sign a whole lot of people in the early signing period. They just started that this year, so there was people that signed in December. Like teams like Alabama and Georgia end up signing the majority of their class. Then USC was about half, and I think the West Coast in general didn't do as much on the early signing period. So there was a bunch gotcha. of high-ranked guys at the very end you know, waited till signing day. And USC got a bunch of them, so it made them move up the uh, rankings a little bit. Well, like UCLA, USC has six players going to the scouting combine in Indy. And Ryan, I think about a year ago, I remember having this conversation with you. We were talking about the 2017 combine and that the talk of the combine was Sam Darnold, a guy that wasn't even eligible to be drafted in 2017. He's going to be there in a couple of weeks what, if anything, do you think has changed regarding the buzz around Darnold from last year to now? I think the 22 turnovers. <laughs> so there's a lot of turnovers. Yeah. It's certainly USC had expectations of making it to the college football playoff. And if you watch their games this year, you know, they went 11 and three, but a lot of the games you thought they might dominate and they didn't do that, uh, you know, getting blown out badly by, you know, a decent Notre Dame team and, and not really being all that competitive against Ohio State squad in the Cotton Bowl. And, and, you know, they lost to Washington State on the road early. But I think you expected Sam Darnold to kind of take that next step. Um, and, you know, I think they just relied on him quite a bit. And he, he certainly was taking a lot of chances, you know, turning the ball over uh, more than like 95 teams in college football just himself. That kind of puts a damper on things a little bit. But you still see the, you know, the really high upside. Uh, there's a lot of, intangibles that he just brings to the position but it would have been I think it would have changed a little bit more if they had some kind of momentum like they did last year after the the Rose Bowl that you know crazy finish and and beating Penn State coming back coming from behind everyone was talking about Sam Darnold then this year it's like you know they kind of know who he is but you know people are still projecting him to go really high yeah you know it wasn't an eye-popping season like some expected but he still had a pretty good year right I mean 4,100 yards passing he had 26 touchdowns both of those Stanford games, especially the first one, were excellent. Critics are going to point to those two games. I think the UCLA game where Rosen put up the gaudy numbers and then that, that last performance against Ohio State and wonder if Sam Darnold is NFL ready. Is that fair, Ryan, or are we discounting his overall body of work at USC? 
No, I think that's fair. I mean, everyone's going to look at, you know, once you, you declare, it's just going to be, you know, it's like a, a looking glass. It's just going to be, you know, under the microscope the entire time. If you just look at Josh Rosen, to me, he seems like he's more of an NFL-ready guy. I think Sam Darnold has, you know, all the talent in the world, and I think that's why people are projecting him to go as high as he is. But, you know, I, I still think he's he's more of a kid that was playing football. Um, he didn't do you know, all the, the college um, coach, you know, quarterback coaching clinics and all that kind of stuff. He played all the different kind of sports. He was just more of a, a overall, you know, well-rounded guy where some of these other guys have come through and they were like, you know, bred to be quarterbacks yeah. all the way through. So it's a little bit different there. So I think he'll have to kind of mature a little bit more. It's obviously a, a business in the NFL, um, but it, it doesn't seem to hurt him that much. I mean, you see the mock drafts and everything. Everyone's still predicting him to go number one, or a lot of people are. Ryan, what's he doing over these next few months to further improve and get ready for the NFL. Yeah, and he's supposed to be doing his, you know, he's training up and, you know, like everyone getting ready for the combine. You have to try to take some time off the shuttle and, the, you know, the 40 and all that kind of stuff. But he, he likes spending a lot of time with his family. I think some people will kind of go away and, and they'll go, you know, some other state or and, and train like, you know, 24-7. I just don't think that's his kind of personality of doing that. I, I think he's into that training mode and everything now, but he does like to be in Sacramento around his family and, and friends. And that's just something that's always really been important to him. So I, I don't see him just kind of diving full bore into, uh, you know, for the next four months or whatever, all I'm doing is training. Ryan, how much does he want to be selected number one overall? All these kids are competitors, but some of them have different temperaments. How important do you think it is for him to be the first quarterback selected over a guy like Rosen? Yeah. You know, we haven't got a chance to talk to him about that, you know, since the, the cotton bowl and, gotcha. and he declared it just wasn't available, but just personality wise, it's not really, I, I think he's a very competitive person, but I don't think that's necessarily in his DNA. I, I think, you know, maybe deep down, that's something he would really like to do. Um, but I, I don't think if, you know, Rosen went one and he went two or something or what, you know, like they went really close and Rosen edged him out it would be something that he would, you know, worry all that much about. He'd, he'd first look at, Hey, what city am I going city? Am I going to, yeah. um, stuff like that. So, you know, competitive person, but I don't think he would get too hung up on, I want to go number one. You know, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but if you have the first pick in the draft and you need a quarterback, are you taking Rosen? Or are you taking Darnold? Because there's pros and cons to each. It looks like Rosen may be more NFL ready, a little bit more polished at this point in his career. But you're looking at a lot of upside with Darnold and just the ability to make plays when there isn't a play. I think there's something to be said for that. There is. I think that's what people like is when he can go improvise and do things on his own. And he gets out of the pocket. He has a really good sense when he's in the pocket and able to escape pressure. Uh, I think his numbers, especially last year, were really good against uh, against pressure. But he's able to not just escape, but still keep his eyes downfield and make a big play out of it where sometimes you make a great escape and you run out of bounds for uh, you know, a loss of one or a gain of two instead of like a eight yard sack, which sure. is a win, but he's finding someone downfield and, and making a chunk play, which is what people I think really like. I mean, I wouldn't consider myself some quarterback guru. If you know, if it was my pick, I would, to me, Rosen looks a little more ready for the NFL. I would probably go that way, but a lot of people I trust that know a lot more about this than I do seem to be putting Sam there too. So I, I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. I could see either one, but just for my eyes, I, I thought Rosen would be a more kind of NFL ready, more prototypical NFL quarterback. You know, a big reason why Darrell may not have put up those video game like numbers this season. 
He had a guy in the backfield by the name of Ronald Jones who had a pretty good year, 1,550 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns, 261 carries too, Ryan. It's a loaded running back class, which is why you may not see Jones go in the first round, but he's certainly a first-round talent. Yeah, I think he is. And, I, you know, I, I feel bad we talk about Darnold's, like, down year. He did. I mean, no USA quarterback ever threw for more than 4,000 yards, and he did. So, yeah, I mean, exactly. that's kind of cool. Um, but, yeah, for Ronald Jones, was a workhorse back for USC this year. They don't typically do that. They, they share carries a lot. They had a true freshman come in, Stephen Carr, that uh, got hurt for a while. And, and they just kind of rode this, uh, the Ronald Jones train a little bit more. And I think having a new running backs coach, Dylan McCullough coming in uh, from Indiana, who put a bunch of guys in the NFL while he was at Indiana of all places. I mean, if you can put guys in the NFL there, you know he's developing people. I think he really helped uh, Ronald Jones' game this year. The whole, I mean, they didn't fumble, which was great. I mean, they did all these kind of ball security drills. So not fumbling is one thing, but the the yards after contact really improved for Ronald Jones this year. How That's how he got close to 1,600 yards. And they they would call it running through trash. And I think that's, Helped him a lot. Just he changed his body a little bit and just ran with a different, you know, it was just ferocious a lot of times when he was running the ball and not letting the first guy bring him down. So I think that helped him quite a bit. I don't know, you know, if he ends up being a second day pick or something like that. But talent wise, I mean, he's going to be really hard for USC uh, to replace. And it seems like his skills would translate, you know, to the next level where we, we saw like a lull and how much running backs for value. It seems to be coming back now. And he's a guy that could, you know, maybe sneaks in late first round or somewhere in the second round. And someone gets a back that, um, you know, that they can really use, a, you know, a lot of different situations. He, he wasn't the best pass catcher. I think early in his career, he got better at that. Probably still something he needs to work on, but I think he picks up blitzes and stuff really well. And obviously with the, you know, 1600 yards, he can run the ball too. Yeah. You got Saquon Barkley at the top. And then there's a bunch of guys that you could argue as first round running backs. Ronald Jones, certainly in that conversation, a guy last year we talked about, Juju Smith-Schuster. He made an immediate impact his rookie season with the Steelers. Deontay Burnett, another USC wide receiver looking to do the same. He caught 86 balls, 1,100 yards, nine touchdowns last season. Doesn't have that size of a Juju Smith-Schuster, only 170 pounds. But what are his prospects at the next level, Ryan? It was He was probably the most surprising for me of the guys that came out early where you know he, he's not going to blow you away at the combine and he kind of took, got the benefit, you know, they, they really used him weird throughout his career. They weren't using him before he would come into a game and be like the leading receiver and then he wouldn't play the next game. So I don't know what it was, but there was something that maybe they didn't realize what they had in Deontay Burnett, but you know, especially towards the end of 2016, he started being the guy, you know, with, with him and Juju. And then in the Rose bowl, he ended up getting three touchdown catches and everyone's like, wow, this guy is really good. And they expected him to be the ACE for USC this year. Uh, and, you know, and he was with, like you said, with, uh, with 1100 yards, but he's just not going to blow you away at the combine with speed or anything, but he's a dude, like, if you want to ask what's the most important, uh, characteristic of a receiver, you can say all these different things, but you want him to catch the ball and he's yes. really, really good at catching the football. So, uh, I think he could be a really nice slot guy in the, in the NFL. I just don't know if he's going to be drafted all that high because you're going to look at guys that are. 6-1 and run a 4-3 and stuff like that. That's just not Deontay Burnett. It's going to be more about his production and what he's going to be this reliable receiver uh, in the NFL. So I'm curious to see kind of where he goes, but I thought he would be a guy that would come back for, for one more year just because he wasn't going to blow anybody away at the combine. 
You know, Stephen Mitchell, another Trojans wide receiver that we're going to see in Indianapolis, not eye-popping numbers either, uh, but what, what can you tell us about Mitchell that, that may seem to, to indicate that he could be a, a player at the NFL level? Yeah, I think, you know, he, perseverance for sure. I mean, he came back from a couple of knee injuries, and a lot of people said he just didn't have that same kind of spark because he definitely was a dynamic athlete coming out of high school. Um, and it just seemed to be whenever he would kind of get healthy, something else would happen. But we started to see some more flashes of that this year. And I think that's what, you know, some NFL GMs going to have to look at and see, hey, does he still see that flash? Can he be back from from where he was with the injuries during his career? And then, you know, you you get a guy that, that's got pretty good speed and can be an explosive wide receiver uh, in the NFL. It's just It was just kind of inconsistent, I guess, because, you know, a lot of it because of the injuries. And then, you know, when the offense wasn't kind of clicking and all of that for USC. But he's there's definitely talent there. I I kind of feel that he's back from, you know, all the way from there. It just never seemed like during his college career he was there. Um, you know, I, I'm curious to see what he runs, all the combine stuff. If he puts up some really good numbers there, I think that would, you know, allow a GM to kind of take a take a risk on him. Probably not going to be a very high draft pick, but it's just going to be about getting back to that explosive athlete that he was really before the couple of knee injuries. Yeah, guys like Mitchell, these next few months are very important because when you have inconsistent tape, you want to put up big numbers at the combine and obviously do well with the medical and in the interview process. So we'll, we'll definitely have our eyes on Mitchell here in Indy in a couple of weeks. Moving to defense, Rasheem Green, big-time prospect, 10 sacks last season, 12 and a half tackles for loss. He played defensive tackle, if I'm not mistaken, Ryan. I think some people are projecting him as a defensive end. What do you make Rasheem Green at the NFL level? Yeah, I think uh, I think you know, like kind of a three technique guy or whatever. Um, you know, he, they they really had to move him around. They don't. They were very deep at the defensive line spot, and Clancy Pendergast, the defensive coordinator, doesn't like to rotate all that much. A lot of times, there's only two guys with their hand on the ground, and, and Rasheem was usually uh, one of those guys. It's funny. I you I think he's gonna have pretty good numbers at the combine, um, and you're gonna look at him, and he's athletic, and he's big, and you know he's got he's got quickness. He's just a really kind of quiet kid. He's not like a mean defensive lineman that, you know, you would, you talk to him. He's just like, oh, he's like this nice guy. He could be in my poetry class. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but he play. you know, he plays really hard and he was a really a huge, it's going to be really tough for USC to kind of replace him. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with the whole interview process. Cause he is very, he's just a very quiet kid. And I don't know if that's going to turn some people off, but I think he'll be one of those guys that he's athletic enough. You'll see some some pretty good numbers from him at the combine, and he's certainly had a lot of production. There's not you don't get like the the defensive lineman for the most part. I don't want to generalize, but if you you're projecting a lot of guys on the West Coast when you're recruiting that maybe there are 250 pound guy now that's 280 in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You don't have like the in the SEC. There's like 300 pound super fast linemen that like grow on trees down in the South. You don't have that as much here. When he came in, he was kind of one of those guys that looked like part already out of Sarah High School. So it was a really important recruit for for USC to get because you just don't see that many guys. And, you know, I think he's been productive through his whole career. Another of those guys that just I want to watch what he does in the combine because he should he should put up some pretty good numbers. Yeah, he looks to be a fringe day one, day two pick. So we'll see what happens with Green. Uh, the Chargers may be looking at linebacker and both free agency and the draft. Intriguing guy here is Uchenna Nuosu. And he was at the Senior Bowl last month, had a good 2017, 75 tackles, nine and a half sacks, 11 and a half tackles for loss. What can you tell us about Uchenna? 
Yeah, I mean, he was leading the nation for a while and defended passes as a linebacker. Um, I th- I forget it finished like eleven or twelve. I think he had the he had the most among linebackers, but he was leading like the nation, even defensive backs at one point during the season. He's got a real knack uh, for finding the football, and certainly has been a big part of the USC's defensive success over the last couple of years. He was more of a tweener kind of safety coming out of Gardena High School and. You know, a three-star dude wasn't like the the most highly touted guy. More of an afterthought, like a late addition to his recruiting class, but came in and you know really developed his body. I think he's one of those guys that had a lot of upside coming out of high school. You could see some flashes of it, and he just came seemed to get better and better throughout his uh, his career. And you know, certainly now, you know, you saw last year he was one of the leaders on the USC defense. They had, you know, the other edge guy, Porter Gustin, was out for the, basically the entire year. So there was even more pressure put on Nwosu. And, man, just he he would make tackles for loss. He could, you know, drop back in coverage. And he batted a lot of balls down <laughs> at the line of scrimmage. He, and, you know, I think as a, a really good leader out there, not the most gregarious guy out there either, but he was, I think he was loud enough to his teammates where he was one kind of a, not quite vocal leader, like stand on the table kind of guy, but yeah. you know he could get a group of people together and get them fired up and tell them what they you know tell them what he he wanted to say and, and make them listen to him. So I think he's going to be one of those dudes that you know maybe he's not drafted all that high, but will be a productive NFL player for a long time. We just saw him just be this productive guy. Some guys just play football and they're going to produce, and I think he's going to be one of those guys. Yeah, ho hum. What eleven and a half tackles for loss and nine and a half sacks in the Pac-12, not too shabby. Yeah. Ryan, get you out of here on this. Pro Day is March 21st for USC? Yeah. How does the Pro Day for USC work? So they, uh, they'll they go inside to start. It usually starts at like 11 o'clock or something, and they'll, they're on the track field. They'll go inside and do some of the lifting stuff, so we can't watch any of that. But then once they come outside for all the other events, um, you know, you'll see them run 40s and then, uh, start going through the time, the cone drills, the three shuttle and all that kind of stuff. So not every player goes through each one. Um, and sometimes they'll bring back players from previous years who maybe are not in the NFL anymore. They want to try to put some numbers in, and impress some scouts. Usually the USC Pro Day, there's a ton of scouts out there. And then they'll they'll split it up into position drills where like, you know, the linebackers will go through a whole bunch of drills and, you know, Sam Darnold will do a bunch of quarterback stuff and the receivers and all that kind of stuff. So they kind of put that all together. It's you know, usually lasts uh, two, three hours, and you can see a bunch of, you know, NFL Network people there. You can yeah. see, you know, all the the scouts and everything. It's it's uh, it's usually a pretty interesting time, and there'll be you know a few of the guys like uh, Chris Hawkins is a was a pretty productive safety over his career at USC. Didn't get invited to the combine or Vianney Talamivao, like he's a offensive lineman that ended up getting hurt. If he's able to do some stuff there, and um, Josh uh, Josh Fatu is a defensive tackle who was the other guy with his hand on the ground next to Rasheem Green, and he didn't get invited either. So for those guys, it's at least an opportunity to, you know, r- do, your, do your runs, go through position drills, and and try to impress some people. There's usually enough scouts there that even if you didn't get invited to the NFL Combine, enough people will see you if you, if you make a few flashes. Uh, doubt, be able to know. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I can't thank you enough for your time. Catch all of Ryan's work at uscfootball.com. And Ryan, I will see you at that Pro Day next month and uh, hope to have you on again throughout the offseason. That sounds great, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. All right, Ben Bolch covers UCLA football for the LA Times, and he joins me now on Chargers Weekly. 
And Ben, we'll get into some of these Bruin NFL prospects in a second, but there's a new head coach in Westwood. Chip Kelly hired in late November, back in the Pac-12. What's the excitement level been like on campus for Kelly? Pretty much off the charts. I mean, I, I think that, you know, people are not expecting him to come in and win the national championship first year, but I think that, uh, you know, the expectation is to be, you know, in the conversation for the Rose Bowl right off the bat. And then from then on, you know, kind of the sky's the limit with being in the hunt for the, you know, the college football playoffs and, and, and being in the, in the conversation to win a national championship. And these, you know, this is from a school that hasn't been to the Rose Bowl since 1998. Yeah. So uh, quite a change in the, in the perspective and outlook for UCLA right now. New era for the Bruins, up and down year in 2017. Uh, but six players from last season's team, they're going to be on display in Indianapolis for the NFL Scouting Combine. And of course, that group, it's led by Josh Rosen, largely considered one of the top two quarterback prospects in this draft. Ben, how would you describe the Josh Rosen era in Westwood? Well, it's, it's there, it kind of has two sides to it. I mean, we saw the, the undeniable talent that he has. I mean, he's obviously already throwing the ball at an NFL level. Um, he's got incredible touch on his passes, can throw the ball deep, can, can thread the needle, um, can really do a lot of things. And yet, you know, we look at the, the teams that he was on and, and the vast disappointment from the team perspective as far as not achieving uh, their results. And a large part of that was, was simply because of the fact that, you know, Josh Rosen wasn't, wasn't around for, for a good chunk of his three seasons at UCLA. You know, he missed the last six games of his sophomore year. And this year, I believe he was out for, for two and a half games uh, with concussions. So, um, you know, he, he kind of got, you know, I hate to, to, to use that incomplete grade, but, you know, uh, when he was in there, uh, and was was clicking, which was a lot of his last year. It was just undeniable uh, to me to to see that you know he's an NFL star in waiting right now. And I think there's a lot of reasons that a lot of NFL teams are very excited at the prospect of of drafting him. You know, Ben. One of the things I read about Rosen, he grew up playing tennis. And I've read how he thinks that's really helped him with his fitness and his footwork. But I think most importantly, that short-term memory, being able to just quickly move on to the next play. Have you talked to him about that, just, just playing multiple sports? And how do you think that's translated from playing tennis to some of the things he does on the football field? Yeah, you know, I haven't talked to him directly about that, but I, I do know, you know, I, I think that, as, as you said, it's, it's kind of the, the it's a mentality of, you know, things don't go your way, you, you, you move on to the next play. And I, and I did see that, you know, a lot. And I, and I, and I noticed uh, as the year went on this year, you know, early in the year, uh, his big issue w- was kind of uh, trying to play, you know, hero ball, as they say, and forcing passes. And I did notice as, as the season went on and he worked with offensive coordinator Jeff, Jed Fish and uh, really matured into someone who was better at you know throwing the ball away or checking down and and, and maybe taking you know a, a lesser play than you know always trying to kind of make the home run pass. So you know that I think that's a lesson that that he learned that's going to carry on uh, into the NFL and really be a big uh, a, a big part of his development and growth uh, that's going to make him ready to to play as a rookie. You talked about it at the top. Some ups and downs for Rosen at UCLA. He had that shoulder injury in 2016, knocked him out for the back half of the season. He returned last season, had that comeback win in the opener against Texas A&M. Unbelievable, 491 yards, four touchdowns. 
And of course, I think a lot of people are going to point to that USC game where he went head-to-head against Darnold. They lost the game, but he threw for 421 yards and three touchdowns. In those signature performances, do you think that that showed that he's the best quarterback in this draft class when you look at some of these other guys, including Darnold? Well, um, you know, I haven't, I I, want to kind of couch my remarks by saying that I I haven't seen the other guys uh, except maybe Darnold nearly as much as as I have Rosen. But certainly if you look at Rosen, Darnold head to head, uh, different style quarterbacks, but I, I would take. I would I would put uh, Rosen as a clear notch uh, above Darnold and Darnold's you know phenomenal I don't I don't mean to knock him at all but I just think that uh, Josh Rosen is just such an elite polished NFL ready quarterback right now with with, with the, his uh, his touch and and just his his feel for the game is just such it's such an elite level um, that I you know if I was picking I'd be very hard pressed uh, not to make him you know the number one pick. Uh, overall, just just because of I, I just see such a franchise quarterback, um, you know, and a guy that really is is, is close to being at what I consider a Pro Bowl level right now. So uh, I, I'm just I, I can't say enough good things about Josh Rosen. Let's say you're the Browns and you're picking number one overall. You have the choice between Darnold and Rosen. You take Josh Rosen. Well, you know, there's <laughs> the Browns could be an interesting case just because there's the speculation about. You know, will will he actually go to play for them? You know, I'm not exactly sure what what his recourse is there and and, and how the politics of that would play out. But yeah, I I, uh, I would unquestionably pick Rosen and and make him my priority and say that he's our guy and we're gonna we're gonna go with him. You know, number one. Then when Rosen was hurt in 2016, at the same time we saw Darnold break out across town and how he capped off that season had that incredible Rose Bowl victory. How much do you think that fueled Rosen? And, and how important do you think it is for him to be the first quarterback selected in April? You know, I don't think that it really did that much. I mean, I, I, he's actually pretty good friends with Darnold, and I know that they have a lot of mutual respect. And, you know, they shared a moment after the rivalry game this year, and I know that they're in touch, you know, when their teams aren't playing. Um, you know, obviously they, they probably aren't as much that week. But I, I think that, you know, Josh wants to do well for Josh. I don't think that he's necessarily driven by, you know, oh, this guy across town is, is lighting it up. i got to show people that, you know, I can do even better. I, I just think yeah. that Josh wants to be the best player he can be, and I think that that's uh, really ultimately what drives him. And I, and I will say a little bit of a non-secondary here. I, I, you know, I covered Josh for two years, and uh, I saw a lot of personal growth from him. You know, when I first started covering him, I, he was kind of a little bit – smug and dismissive and just really saw him kind of mature and and just blossom all the way around on and off the field so you know for somebody who's really been in college for three years I I really see a lot to like across the board uh, for Josh Rosen. Ben do we know when the pro day for UCLA is going to be yet I think USC announced theirs I think that theirs is the 21st do we know when UCLA's is? Yeah it's it's around there I don't I don't have it off the top of my head but I know that it's you know it's usually that third week of March so right right around there probably the same week. Well Rosen isn't the only Bruin that's declared for the NFL draft some other intriguing prospects from UCLA you got a pair of offensive linemen who are going to be in Indy, uh, Scott Quisenberry, the center, who also participated in the Senior Bowl last month. He'll be there. But Colton Miller, the underclassman tackle, he declared early, and he's probably going to be the second Bruin off the board in the NFL draft. Talk to me about both those guys. Yeah, you know, I'm a little bit 
surprised by that. I mean, I won't claim to be an NFL draft evaluator and, and, and you know, knowing the needs of, of teams. But I, I, he, he obviously has just massive upside just based on his size. Um, you know, he's one of the biggest guys, you know, I've ever been around physically. He's just so massive. I believe he's 6'6", and, and, you know, well over 300. Um, and and I, I think that, you know, clearly he got better as the season went on. He actually didn't get off to that great of a start. But uh, he was very dependable this year by the end of the year um, and, and really helps kind of anchor and shore up that line. Um, so I think that, you know, the NFL teams just, just see this, this body and, and the potential he has, and they, they really think that they can, you know, get him in their programs and make him, you know, a, a franchise offensive lineman. And I think that's you know, certainly possible, but I will say I was a little bit surprised that he, you know, I'd seen some draft boards where he was listed at like number 12. I didn't think that he had that kind of talent right now, but I certainly, you know, he could be a player that, you know, in two or three years, I look back and say, man, I would, you know, I, I should have seen that like everybody else, because I, I do think he has tremendous upside. And then, you know, switching over to Scott Quisenberry, very solid uh, a player. You know, I don't think he's going to be a, a, a star offensive lineman, but I think that, you know, he's got potential to be a very solid player. I think that uh, he's kind of in the whole, in the mold of uh, Hank Fraley, who was, you know, also a little bit maybe undersized, but very scrappy. Hank Fraley's the offensive line coach at, at UCLA, and that's why I bring yeah. up uh, his name. And, and I think that, you know, he's kind of an overachiever uh, who, who could have, you know, a very solid NFL career um, and very consistent, very consistent player. He was first team all Pac-12 as a junior um, so, you know, obviously there, there, there's talent and potential there and he just got a grittiness about him that I really, really like. Um, so, so, you know, Scott Quisenberry, definitely somebody to have on the radar as, as a legitimate, uh, you know, somebody who could have a nice NFL career. We talked so much about Josh Rosen at the top, his top target in that offense was wide receiver, Jordan Lasley had a breakout year called 69 balls, 1,264 yards, nine touchdowns. He declared early as well. What are his expectations in terms of where he'll be drafted? Because really, it's a it's a small sample size, Ben, when you consider that one year that he really broke out. Yeah, you know, I consider him one of the most intriguing players in the draft, um, just because I mean he is just he he just oozes just elite talent between not only his his speed but his pass catching and route running are just really, really high level. And, and the thing with him is going to be, um, can he put together uh, consistency both on and off the field? Because uh, let's face it, his, his career w- was really kind of damaged by some things he did off the field that, uh, you know, he was suspended for four games this year, um, and we never really got a full explanation for it. But I know in the past he's done things like, you know, show up at a, at a nightclub with a fake ID and, um, you know, miss some team buses and be late to things. But, you know, nothing nothing really serious, but it's the type of stuff that's a little bit uh, concerning uh, as far as, you know, just dependability type stuff. So if he can put that kind of stuff behind him and really mature, uh, which I, I believe he can, that, you know, he, he should be, you know, a guy, uh, you know, I won't say necessarily first or second rounder, but, man, you know, I, I can't imagine him getting too too deep in this draft just because of his – uh, as I said, his elite combination of skills that make him a very intriguing player. Um, you know, he became the first player in UCLA history to, to, to have 200 receiving yards 
uh, in back-to-back games. And, something and you else. know, UCLA's had some elite receivers over the years. So um, I just see so much potential there, and he's only going to get better. So he, he could be one of the steals of this NFL draft for sure. He's going to be a name to watch for sure in Indy in a couple of weeks. Another guy I'm really fond of, linebacker Kenny Young. He was really a, a leader on that Bruins defense. First team All-Pac-12 this year. Last two seasons, been 200 tackles, six sacks, uh, 17 tackles for loss. Uh, what are his prospects in the NFL? You know, I think they're good. I, he kind of reminds me of, of maybe kind of a Scott Quisenberry level player, of somebody who's not going to just blow you away with elite athleticism. Um, but, you know, he's, he's just very solid and very dependable. He's somebody who, you know, as they say, has a nose for the ball, makes plays. Um, you know, really has great football instincts and, you know, has some versatility as far as, you know, being able to play uh, a couple of the linebacker spots. So, um, you know, I, I think that he's, he could be, you know, a, a, a pretty solid mid-round guy. I don't think he's going to be, you know, somebody that's going to go real high, but I think that he could be like one of those guys that you get in your program, like Scott Quisenberry, that, you know, you're very happy to have and that could have a very long productive career just because he's such a hard worker and he has such good foundation to him uh, football-wise and as far as his character and dependability. All right, last guy, Matt Dickerson, defensive end, had his year cut short this season. I believe he had a collarbone injury. Uh, what can you tell us about Dickerson? You know, he's a very solid player. As you as you noted, you know, the injury really cut his, his season short and you know, some big things were expected from him this year, and it was really kind of hard to get a feel for how much of an impact he was going to make because he missed so much time. But, you know, early in the season, you, you do have to kind of look at that, the struggles of, uh, of the UCLA defense uh, to, to prevent the run. And certainly, you know, he was part of that defense. And I think that's, you know, going to be a little bit of a concern if, if you're looking at him. But, um, you know, he's certainly got the size and the makeup. Uh, he, he's going to be probably more of a fringe-type guy who I think, you know, could go in the later rounds um, and really kind of have to prove himself at a, at a combine and, and really kind of wow some people. I think, you know, that would be his kind of ticket to move up into, into higher consideration. So it'll be interesting to watch as well. And I know that, you know, he feels like he has a lot to prove given that, you know, his, his last year at UCLA was cut short. Ben, last thing for you, the Chargers have a new tight end coach in Rip Shearer, a guy who has a wealth of coaching knowledge both at the NFL and college level. He'll be coaching guys like Hunter Henry with the Chargers. What can you tell us about Rip? Rip's just an all-around great guy. He's, he's, he's uh, you know, I, I don't know exactly how old he is. I want to say he's uh, somewhere around mid-60s, but he is just full of energy. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the former head coach at Memphis, you know, he, we went back to Memphis this year with UCLA and uh, his claim to fame there was beating uh, Tennessee when they had Peyton Manning. So, you know, he's you got go. some, he's got, you know, he's, he's had some big time wins behind him and, and, uh, but he's just a joy to talk to. And I must say, he was probably one of the most underrated coaches on this staff that, that uh, Jim Moore had this last few years because the UCLA tight ends actually were, were performing at an incredible level, especially when you look at uh, Caleb Wilson, who was one of the top uh, pass catchers, uh, not just in the Pac-12, but in the country before he went down with a, with a, a foot injury at the end of September that ended his season. But I, I, there was a lot to like from UCLA's tight ends last year. And, uh, you know, honestly, I was a little bit surprised they didn't keep him on because I thought he did a fabulous job. So I think that that's going to be a good get. 
uh, and that they'll be very, very happy with him. Yeah, we're happy to have him in Los Angeles. And uh, Ben, can't thank you for your time, man. You do a great job with the LA Times. My my fellow Northwestern guy too, I must say. Are you gonna yeah. be uh, Are you gonna be at Pro Day? Obviously, in a couple of months. Uh, depends on the basketball schedule. Last year, I missed it with uh, UCLA being uh, you know with a deep tournament run. But uh, the way the way the season's shaping up, I might be free. So <laughs> you we'll, never know. We'll see. You never know. (laughs) Good. Well, hey, Ben, can't thank you enough for the insight. Really good stuff on these prospects, including Josh Rosen. And uh, hopefully I'll see you next month on the campus. Sounds great. Appreciate it. And that'll do it. My thanks to Ben and Ryan. And thanks to you all for listening. Be sure to subscribe to Chargers Weekly on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Help spread the word so we can get this to as many Chargers fans as possible. Enjoy the weekend. And until next time, I'm Chris Hayreed.